Hey everybody, welcome to episode 104 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam, and I'm joined yet again by Mr. David J. Hogue. What's up? Well, we have somebody else with us here, too. I know, I was just saying hi to you. Oh, hi. Way to steal my thunder. And joining us as well, <laughs> our very first guest ever on this show, all the way back from episode 10, which is 94 episodes ago, if my math is correct. Good job. My youngest sister. And Old Testament scholar in training, the one and only Rachel Brennan. Hi, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's good to be here. Things have changed. Things have changed. It's been two years since you've been on the show. Yeah. You have fancy microphones and the location's changed. A lot less cramped. (laughs) All right. Duly noted. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, this is actually kind of cool because we had planned on recording this episode or had talked about recording this episode probably like four weeks ago when we yes. decided on this topic. And we missed a week, and then we did a dad college, which you should go check out because it's back uh, on the schedule now. And it just so happened that Rachel showed up at my door like two hours ago. <laughs> oh, really? That- yeah. <laughs> yeah, I drove here today. <laughs> yeah, all the way from Denver. So That's awesome. the timing for this is quite funny because, as we said earlier, Rachel is uh, an Old Testament scholar in training. You have... Two of your three years of your master's done, correct? Yes. So just all the really hard stuff left. Not like yeah. the first two years was easy. No. But, you know, it builds on itself. The whole thing, pesky thesis. Yeah. So you're at what school? Denver Seminary. And what is your concentration or area of study? I'm getting my master's of arts in Old Testament studies. Gross. I mean, <laughs> great. It's a very good thing. Um so Old Testament studies, that's obviously the whole Old Testament. Yes. So you're not just focusing on like the wisdom literature or the prophets. You, you go through all of that stuff. Yes. My thesis, however, will focus on Genesis and the call of Abram. And how did you choose the Old Testament? Why? A professor in college, actually. Dr. Smith. Do you remember him? Dr. Richard Smith? Yes. The most intimidating man on campus? Yes. Yeah, he, he played running back for Arkansas. He's Ooh. a terrifying dude. He's but awesome. He's, he's great. He he's, just has like the resting, I will murder you face all the time. <laughs> yeah. Because he's always just like thinking. <laughs> and he's one of those like grew up on a hog farm in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. His dad was like some brilliant biologist. His or, dad was a biochemist, I think. Yeah. And he went to Oxford to get his post-grad stuff. I can't remember. Some yeah. school in Britain. And then played football for Arkansas. Like to the point where like he he couldn't play intramural football because he was just hurting people. Wow! <laughs> but he's so smart. and the only professor that wore jeans because no one was going to tell him he couldn't wear them. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but genuinely a really nice guy. Like once you got past the facade, he's like, a he, great person. Yeah, he was one of my favorite. And profs. loves his students. Yeah, he's awesome. But he taught prophets and wisdom literature. That was his sweet spot. And I was yes, Cam. I was going to say his Kohelet class was great. His Kohelet class is really good. That's what convinced me to study Old Testament. Because what, it made, what book is that for people that don't know? Kohelet is Ecclesiastes. Which is a very good book. Yeah. Yes. But that's what convinced me to do Old, T, Old Testament. Cool. So, main topic for the episode. We don't have any follow-up. Oh, you want me to say what it is? No, I'm just looking at you. Okay. <laughs> Um, it, before we get started, if you do want to give us follow-up, even if, well, I, I would say even if you're just starting, you're going to get to this episode in like three years. So, <laughs> But, you know, for posterity, if you want to get in touch with anything that we've talked about, if you have any questions, if you have any corrections, if you have any contrary thoughts, we welcome those. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Cam Brennan. Dave's at David J. Hogue. Rachel is, are you on Twitter? Not anymore. Okay. I Don't talk to Rachel online. Um, or you can email us, hello <laughs> at supermegacorp.net. Twitter's dying. You can find me on Facebook. Guess what? My name is Cam Brennan. Or Instagram. I'm Cam Brennan. I'm Cam Brennan everywhere, even in real life, on YouTube, on Snapchat, on Instagram. Good it's all, for you. It's all Cam Brennan. I'm not I'm, bragging. I'm just saying, if you want to get in touch, I'm giving you many, many options. My name is a little too common for that, I think. Rachel Brennan was always taken. So I did change it up every time. All right. Main topic. Is the Old Testament still important? And if so, why? Short answer is yes. All right. Episode over. Great. (laughs) But why? 
why, first off, it's part of the canon. More than half of it. Time out. Technical term. What's the canon? The canon is the Bible. The whole thing. Literally, it means measuring stick. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> she could pretty much say anything, and we'll be like, uh-huh, okay. Uh-huh. I don't know, Dave. We're, we're both pretty SMRT ourselves. So the canon is the 66 books of the Bible, and they have all been canonized by going through a process, and I can't really remember what the five things are. But they all had to go through a process and get – they had to, like, prove or – feel like i don't proves a weird word but it's kind of true they had to go through like authenticity orthodoxy uh i can't remember the other three but and it was church fathers that decided this yes it was the church fathers at certain councils indeed so the old testament is more than half of that canon and so in my opinion, and in a lot of opinions of scholars, it has to be important because it's still canonized. And the biggest argument is that God wouldn't have included these in the canon if they weren't still important. But didn't people decide the canon and not God? Yeah, but scripture is God-inspired and God-ordained. And the canon was God-designed. Well, fine. <laughs> I did my homework, Cam. What about the Apocrypha? I didn't think about the Apocrypha. Because that's canon to Catholics. I should, let me, I'm talking about the Protestant canon. I'm not trying to be a mean, I'm just No, saying. I know. The whole, the, the concept of canonization is, I think, equally accepted and also equally like, hmm. <laughs> but don't you, uh, in terms of canonization, isn't, isn't there pretty much a, like a solid agreement on the 66 books? Yes. Not I mean, unless you belong to the Jesus Seminar. Oh, gosh. Then there's like six more Gospels. No, I'm, I'm talking okay. about like people that did this 100 years yes. ago. Yes, yes, yes. There yes. Is so so even, yeah. even in Catholicism, the, you've got the 66 books. Plus, plus, plus the, the Apocrypha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Correct. there's just not a lot of like just from the get-go of debating whether these really should be Scripture or not. I think that's true of Christians. I think that the concept of canonization to non-Christians is weird. Like, so these dudes oh, just well, decided that these were good and those were bad. You know, and so uh, the reason, like, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit here, um, just because I think once you kind of understand and have read the Bible and see the coherency and see the references and see the, the story arc and the narrative and the, the consistency. Um, you can understand why, but I think as someone who is either new to the faith or doesn't really know anything about it, the idea that people essentially chose these books over potential other ones could be a bit of a head scratcher or um, stumbling block, to use a biblical phrase. Um, so I just, I mean, I didn't really necessarily think that we were going to go there, but I thought since we threw that term out, we should at least acknowledge what it is and also acknowledge that there are, uh, you know, there's a lot of study and, you know, scholarship around why the canon exists as it does, how it came to be. That sort of stuff. So if you're interested in that sort of stuff, a quick Google search will lead you down a giant rabbit hole. Yes. That was good clarification. Oh, thanks. I didn't really think about that whole explanation. It's all good. Now, where were we? <laughs> uh, right. So the Old Testament is more than half the Bible. And I was actually listening to one of the Masterclasses episodes on my way here. Just typically what I do on my way to Kansas. And then I like talk to you when I get here and it's weird because I've been listening to you for an hour or so already. And she's um, already sick of you. She's <laughs> like, she's like yeah, uh, gets to haze, goes, no, nah, I'm just going to go back. <laughs> um, but you were talking, the story, the episode about the resurrection, you were talking about the story arc of redemption and how the resurrection, if you take that out or if it didn't actually happen, the rest of the story is just BS. If you take out the Old Testament, there's no context for the resurrection, why it was necessary, 
there's no explanation of why we needed to be redeemed, what we were being redeemed from, and why Jesus had to die the worst possible death for someone in ancient Israel. That, in my opinion, is the strongest thing for me of why I study it. Because without it, the New Testament doesn't make sense. Interesting. That's ominous. I didn't mean it to be ominous. I'm my brain. I'm thinking. Okay. <laughs> what do you think, Dave? My brain still needs a few more minutes. I, you know, um, I guess my short answer is, is I agree in terms of in order, we had to have this like story, the narrative pointing us to, um, in order for us to, to be redeemed from sin and our fallen nature, we have to know what that is. And there is certainly a long history there of, you know, even God kind of like giving people do-overs and second chances and, you know, you have Noah in the flood and kind of, okay, I'm going to start over again and was... um well, it even says God regrets <laughs> that he put people on the earth. Um, and so uh, there's just kind of this time and time again of God participating in history with us, and particularly his chosen people of Israel, and time and time again, uh, they screw it up. They can't seem to just you know, be, be the chosen people of God as difficult as that must be. Yeah. Which I'd screw it up too. So. Yeah. So I guess my thoughts on that are like, it's, I don't know. It's, it's easy and yet hard at the same time to take the old Testament in like one chunk. Cause That's there's fair. so many different parts to it and so many different styles you know you've got the narrative you know of like the you know uh, the first five books just telling the story of the israelites and then you get into some of the historical books and then you get into like prophets and then you know wisdom literature and poetry and then more prophets and it gets really weird there and you know like isaiah and daniel and that sort of stuff and you get the apocalyptic and but at the same time, it's also like you can really kind of take the the story arc and be like, yeah, people continually screw up in all these different settings and in all these different ways we're told about it. And God is consistent throughout that. So that when you get to the New Testament and you see the disciples screw up and Jesus is still consistent, you're like, wait a minute. I've seen this before. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's. I think it's definitely fair to say that, yeah, without the Old Testament, the New Testament doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it's it's building off of the foundation of God's character and God's consistency and you learning what God cares about and you learning about what God defends and you learning about, you know, uh, you know, how God forgives, but also how God judges and all that stuff. And it's, I think the trick is somehow, even though, like, if you think about what you learn in Sunday school as a kid, it's always Old Testament stories outside of, like, Easter and Christmas. Yeah. It's, it's the flood. It's a- Father Abraham. It's David. It's Noah. That's the flood. It's uh, Jer- Moses. Jericho. Uh, yeah. Um, Daniel in the lion's den. Um, David and Goliath. All that sort of stuff. It's all the Old Testament stories which I think is really interesting. Jonah. It's like why all the pe- it's like the same thing as all the people in the suburbs make their kids play soccer but all the parents hate soccer, <laughs> but like it's just the thing you do. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you go to adult church and all you hear is New Testament stuff, but the kids all they're learning is the Old Testament stories. It's just kind of weird. Hmm. Just kind of weird to me. The the uh what's the word there? Dichotomy or um so I don't really I guess don't really have a point. I agree with what you guys have said, but I just I find it interesting that the Old Testament is such a huge part of Scripture. Like, not only in, in number of books, but just in sure volume. Like, if you, if you actually look at your Bible and, like, hold the Old Testament and hold the New Testament sections, the disparity is jarring. Yes. And yes. 
I'm 30 days into my reading. That's the difference. Yeah, Not that readers like, can see. But. No, but it's it's like three to one in your Bible. Yeah. Yes. It's so I'm I'm 30 days in. So I'm a 30, I'm a third of my way through the 90 days. And so you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, first second Samuel, first second Kings, first second Chronicles. I'm just at Chronicles. So I'm like out of the 66 books, like 13. Are you trying to read through the Bible in 90 days? 90 days. days. It's, like, it's, like, it's like 45 minutes of reading a day. Wow, that's impressive. Well, and it's not, I, no. It, 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 I, I, like, I kind of have this realization of like, um, well, actually, Dan was talking about his wife reading through it in 90 days. And just things like, you know, when you read through big chunks of the Bible, you realize that, you know, this guy Moses is also a murderer. You know, you, you get that kind of bigger picture type thing. No, it does get monotonous at times where <laughs> so-and-so begat so-and-so or... And he had 1,200 cattle. <laughs> and this king did what was right in God's eye, and this king did what was evil in God's eyes. and Yeah, and you run through like eight kings in like eight verses you're like oh i guess they weren't important <laughs> yeah or or, or or when the it like i can't even think of which which one it is now but you're kind of like why why do you have to say uh, i'm not can't remember what it is now so never mind i'm just rambling all right a lot of repetition that you're like couldn't you just say that once and then applies to this guy this guy this guy this guy versus this guy did this 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 and this and oh this guy did this 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 and this but it's they're all doing the same this 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 and this that probably doesn't make oral, any sense. Oral tradition that would for be you. too simple that would be too simple. yeah it is oral tradition too well anyways what else what else um a big one is that jesus was jewish Oh, he wasn't a white, handsome man. Hate to burst your bubble, but Jesus was a Jew. <sighs> there, are, <laughs> there are white Jewish men. That's is true. Jesus not a white Jewish man? I'm assuming because of when he was around, he probably wasn't a white guy. And where Israel is. He wasn't, he didn't get, he wasn't. When did Jewish people become white? What's what? <laughs> no? He wasn't born in Brooklyn. Oh, Okay. <laughs> So, because he was Jewish, he was raised in a synagogue with rabbis, with the Old Testament, or in that day, their Bible, their Tanakh, as their scripture. The New Testament didn't exist yet. So, almost all of his teaching comes from Jewish roots. And he quotes the law. He talks about fulfilling the law, which doesn't mean the Old Testament's not important anymore. Um, That's a big argument that I've heard, and it makes me really upset. Say, say that again. That because Jesus said he came to fulfill the law and did that when he died, that the Old Testament is no longer important because it's just the law. I'm like, no, it's hmm. two books is the law. <laughs> <laughs> and also it's important to know what the law is so you know what Jesus what fulfilled. What he fulfilled yeah. and what we're no longer required to do, like sacrifice a lamb on Passover. Yeah, that just sounds like a lot of work. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't want to sound lazy, but that it's sounds a, bloody and gross. Well, I was going to say, and the amount of blood being, like, splashed around on things. It's like a Dexter like, episode, but, like, every day. <laughs> the whole sacrificial system is astonishing. If you think about how much work it takes for these people to do all of these sacrifices. Because they, hap- they have to happen very regularly. Because they screwed up all the time. <laughs> and that was the only way they knew that God wasn't mad anymore. That whole thing is just weird to me. It is weird, but also fascinating. Like, I feel like if Kennedy screwed up, I wouldn't be like, okay, now go kill the cat. Oh, sad. And bring me its pelt <laughs> as penance for your sin. Like, that's weird. Yeah. Or cutting off foreskin. Ouch. But we live in 21st century America. Yeah. And they lived in... Pre-Jesus is real. Well, like, I get if you grow up with it, it's not weird. Yeah. Because, you know, it is what it is. But it's like, why that? Why why murder a bunch of animals? Well, I don't know if it's murder, if it's animals. Why kill a bunch of animals? Because that's what God said. We're going to have a talk, me and that guy. <laughs> not because I'm an animal rights activist, just because I want to know why. Like, right. of all the things you could have, make them do jumping jacks for a week. <laughs> like, build some cardio into it. 
I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm just curious. And maybe it was because the livestock was their livelihood. I think that's what and it was. So giving up a portion of what made their wealth and what made their livelihood yeah. and what made their sustenance. That was the biggest sacrifice they could give aside from a child. Yikes. And this is not game of Thrones. There's no white walkers here. I don't know what that means. I've never seen game of Thrones. That's a lie. I saw one episode and didn't like it. So I stopped. We just had a moment of silence. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, anyways, so sacrificial system, the law, yes, Jesus fulfilling it. Continue. Um, and like the amount of times the Old Testament is alluded to or quoted directly in the New Testament is a really big number. Like just Revelation 21 and 22 alone, if you take out all the Old Testament allusions or quotes, you're left with like five or six verses. Wow. That just seems like lazy writing. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, references to the Old Testament. Um, Jesus, Paul, mm-hmm. has a bunch. Um, I remember in... Like the entire book of James. It's very Jewish if you read it. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I'll agree. Um, <laughs> it's just really easy to tell that James wrote it with the lens of a Jewish person. That makes sense. I will take your word for it because I've never thought that about that book. But guess what? I don't know what Jewish people were thinking back then. <laughs> um, now you got me all flustered. Oh, so in, in uh, college and grad school, there was uh, a book that we use all the time in our New, New Testament papers was the uh, something along the lines of, um, you know, Old Testament in the New Testament, and I forget what it was actually called, but it was pretty all sure I have of, that book. It was all of the Old Testament references, good in the New Testament, what they were referencing, and it was just a very uh, indispensable book in trying to get through some of the passages that were, you know, referencing like stuff that you just were like, what? I know that's in there, but I don't know where it is and what context it was in, and yeah. The Old Testament usage and use, I don't know. We used it in Greek all the time. All right. Guess you had to be there. Um, <laughs> what else you got? Um, the prophets and all of the, I would say, messianic prophecies um, rather than Jesus prophecies. Explain. Um, so... Because I'm an Old Testament scholar in training, we are trained to interpret and exegete the Old Testament in the context it was originally meant for first. Okay. And in that, um, we couldn't, we can't put Jesus in as the Messiah they're talking about at first. But because we have the New Testament, we can, because that contextualizes it to us. But without those prophecies are vital in understanding Jesus for us. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So you read them first as talking about the Messiah, this mythical The Messiah, figure. yeah. Not necessarily and Jesus. And then you go back and go, oh, now if we think it's Jesus, right. what does it mean? Okay, that makes sense. But back up to you're taught to interpret them in the context they were originally met. How do you know that? Because I don't know anyone that's alive that was alive back then. That is true. No one that lived back then is still alive. Um, We have enough research and scholarship around the time that those books were written that we can begin to understand the context in which the Jewish population would read it and understand it. How, like, give me a percentage of your confidence in how well it's contextualized. Like, can you say, I know exactly how a Jew would read this, or can you be like, I've got a pretty good idea. I've got a pretty good idea of how a Jew would understand the Old Testament. So do you have this concept of, when you're reading about the Messiah, kind of what they were expecting on the triumphal entry like do you read it with the perspective of oh jesus is gonna or the messiah is gonna come and he's gonna sit on his throne on earth 
and because he doesn't do it the way we think he's going to, at least that's my kind of vision. So right. is there kind of a, a bent that way of? Yeah. So if that makes sense, it does make sense. I think I'm pretty sure I know what you're, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I know what you're asking. Because he did it differently than what they expected. Right. At least he that's was, what it seems like. He was not the Messiah they were expecting. Um, but he was the one they deserved. <sighs> Batman, nothing. Okay. So yeah, it's like, he was the one they didn't deserve, but okay. Uh, <laughs> totally missed that. <laughs> I'm Jesus. Um, I do, when I read those passages, I do have to, I have to catch myself as reading it. I am, it's second nature for me to read it as the Messiah and then have to catch myself and be like, no, that's Jesus. That's who they're talking about. Because I'm a 21st century Christian, not a Jew. Um, but initially, because it's just how I've learned and how I've been trained, I read it as the Messiah, just as this like mystical being that hasn't shown up yet. Because for them, he hasn't shown up yet. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Did that answer your question? Yeah. I, I guess it would, what would be... Like, as I think about doing that would be difficult for me is how do you completely not think about Jesus when you know that that's who they're talking about? And can you kind of get into that sense of, like, the way I would describe it is, is it seems like they're expecting kind of another King David. You know, they're kind of expecting this great king leader type that is also maybe a bit of a warrior and a bit of a statesman and um, a bit of an adulterer, you know, (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) Sorry. I took this off the rails there. I apologize. (laughs) So, so, so yeah, I, 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 it does make sense, but it's a little bit hard for me to completely go. How do you do that? But again, that's why you spend three years <laughs> in very intense study doing it versus. And before college, I didn't spend a whole lot of time interpreting scripture on my own. Mm-hmm. I kind of just listened to what I was taught and thought it was good enough. So in college, when I started taking Bible classes, I took intro to hermeneutics or how to study the Bible, some, some 101 with Dr. Harbin, who's this super old. Santa Claus character. Um, and that's how he taught us. That's the first step in hermeneutics. So that's kind of when I started actually interpreting and exegeting myself. So that's just the first step I take now. But if I had done all of that, if I'd started interpreting and working through it on my own earlier, it'd be much harder for me to make that switch. Uh, yeah. Interesting. You got more reasons, Rachel? You got Uh, quite the long list over there. Probably. Here, I got a question. Do you believe in a literal seven-day creation? Oh, gosh. (laughs) No, I'm just asking you. No, I know. Where Um, where have you landed on that? Ken Ham is listening, so be careful. (laughs) Who? Oh, good. She doesn't know who he is. Great. Continue. I do not. He would say you can't be a Christian then. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> okay. <laughs> I yeah. I don't think it was a literal 7 24-hour days. But it says days. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, then it's days. But God's time and our time don't necessarily match. How do you know? Because he's You can't know that. I can't, but I have a gut feeling. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just just trying to push your buttons. I'm sorry. I can't help it. I got sidetracked. Okay. Um. Ken Ham is a guy that debated Bill Nye, and he runs like the answers in Genesis, right? Oh, he listens to this? That's cool. No, I was totally kidding. Oh. (laughs) No. He I mean, might. If he, he wants, might. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm gullible. It. You can't do that to me. I doubt it. I mean, if he wants to, he's more than welcome to. Ken, if you're listening, write in. And I'm sorry <laughs> that I've made fun of you multiple times. <laughs> but I think you're wrong. So, 
Um, I think the last major thing I want to talk about, or at least mention, is that the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are the same being. There's this big debate and big divide over the two gods and how they act seemingly very differently, which I think is a terrible argument. I don't agree with it at all. Um, But the gods, the two gods are actually the same god. And I don't, I don't fully understand their argument about why they think it's two gods. Is this actual like seminary people or is this? It's a pretty widely accepted theory. That's what a lot of people use to avoid the Old Testament. Because they will say, oh, that was the Old Testament God. He's not the New Testament God. I just need to live and obey the New Testament God. Because he's not as angry or wrathful or mean. That just seems silly. Because, like, okay, it's one book. The Old Testament references the New Testament. No, wrong way. New Testament (laughs) references all. So, like, if the Old Testament is obsolete and that God doesn't, you know, isn't important anymore, then why is the New Testament so concerned with fulfilling and referencing said Old Testament? Thank you. That's exactly what I think. <laughs> and why would Jesus have to die then? If the New Testament God is all lovey-dovey and not angry, then why does he have his own son killed for the sins of mankind? Right. And it's not even that Jesus just died. He died the worst possible death, and it was the most condemning way you could kill someone. I just think it's a silly argument. Yeah, well, you know, people will do what they need to do to live the way they want to live. That's true. But it's also like the 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 uh ideas behind Jesus was fully God but not fully man. And that doesn't make us culpable because we're men and not divine. Or God was neither, you know, uh he was fully man but he had a spirit upon him that made him and you know, it's yeah, it's just it is people reasoning from the position of how do I remove culpability from myself? When you don't have to remove culpability from yourself because you are culpable, but God has removed it through Jesus. So you don't need to circumvent the whole system that God has created to try and do it on your own. You're missing the entire point in that God has done it for you, which is what makes Christianity different from every other religion in the history of the world. Yes. Dave, you okay? I am good. Is that all you, that's all you wanted to say, Rachel? I mean, I can still talk, that's for sure. Um, well, okay, so... Do you have specific questions? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let me, let me all right. ask you a question. How would or... What would you tell someone who says, okay, you've at least convinced me to take a better look at the Old Testament? How should they proceed? I would tell them or encourage them to read Ecclesiastes first. All right. Bringing out the big guns. In opposition to my Ecclesiastes professor last semester, who doesn't think that's a book you should have new Christians read or people curious about Christianity. Wasn't your Ecclesiastes professor someone you disagreed a lot with? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I feel like we disagreed almost every class. About something. Um, But I would have, I would encourage them to read Ecclesiastes because it's so realistic about life. And it's not, it doesn't paint the picture of life with God is happy and easy and profitable. It's, it explains that, yeah, crap happens in the world, but. God is still there. But bad stuff just has to happen because of the world we live in. I would also say if you're going to read Ecclesiastes, you should read Coping with Change by Kaiser. You've told me about that book like seven times. Because it's amazing. I think last time I was here, you said you would give it to me and you didn't. I think you just didn't take it. 
Well, I'll take it this time. See, I'm removing culpability from myself. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What say you, Dave? How would you encourage people? I'm well. I'm actually fascinated with the idea of starting in Ecclesiastes. I've never. It's definitely different. It is different, but I. I mean, I, like I said, I'm intrigued by that answer because I think that is a good. I think that's probably a good place for people to start. Um, maybe, well, let me ask you this. Maybe more somebody that wants to think versus somebody, or would you say that to anybody? Um, I guess it depends on, I think initially I would say that to anybody, mm-hmm. but if I knew specifically what they wanted to like start with, like mm-hmm. if someone wanted to start with history, or if they were really intrigued by the law and all of the, the judicial system, I would have them read Leviticus first. Interesting. But I also really like Leviticus because that's the way I think. I like like all the law and structure. Um, if they want, like, could have them read Jonah. I don't. I guess I'm trying to like I'm trying to think of what someone would want to read first because Jonah's a good story but also historical. Leviticus is super analytical. Mm-hmm. Ecclesiastes is very realistic and very honest. Um, I wouldn't have them read Job first. I know that for a fact. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> or like Kings and Chronicles might be a good combo, but I'm also a super nerd, so I like stuff like that. <laughs> I don't know that that would be very intriguing to a lot of people right off the bat. I would say Proverbs. But again, that's how I think. And that's the sort of stuff that interests me. Yeah, I, I mean, Proverbs this was probably my initial just sort of... Yeah. Here's how but, to live your life. Yeah. Pithy sayings. Wisdom's kind of important, so, you know. But Ecclesiastes is full of that, too, just in a different way. Do you have any questions, Dave, or any other thoughts you want to say to our lovely listeners? No. Oh, okay. No, I'm I'm still, uh, I guess I'm still contemplating the whole, just what, where would I tell somebody to start in the Old Testament? I don't, you know, I guess there's an, even an element of like thinking about my kids and I, we really haven't talked much about the Old Testament of, um, I think Genesis, there's an element of, you get this picture of what God had intended and wanted. And then I think even a little bit of what you're saying there of, um, there's, it's real, you know, and it doesn't, I mean, that's one of the things about the Bible, whether you're talking about the New Testament or the Old Testament, nothing's really sugarcoated. I mean, people and their flaws are just out there. And I think that's even one of the things I, I've gotten in this broader scope of the Old Testament is that, um, God, I, I think we get hung up on a lot more things that God doesn't get hung up on. And... So anyway, so so the answer to that is is I, Genesis might be an option, and I was kind of mulling it over of just is that because it's the first book of the Bible? Why would I tell somebody that? And I think there's just there's so much in there in that you do have Adam and Eve and Abraham and Noah and Isaac and Jacob and and then there's just I, this is I guess part of the one of the things that I was wanting to talk about is um. I don't know, did you have a next kind of where you were wanting to go or whatever? Nope. Is what do you do with just these, all these odd things that seem to be in the Old Testament? And when I say odd things, I mean um, Balaam's donkey talking to him. Or... Um, the inspiration for Shrek. Really. <laughs> <laughs> donkey. Um, <laughs> 
we had a guy at work that had these two huge buck teeth and oh, got nicknamed gosh. Donkey. And it, it bothered him to the point that he actually went and had veneers and his teeth like oh, redone. Wow. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I thought we were adults. But anyway, um, <laughs> random thought there. Uh, so Balaam's Donkey, um, who is there? Like, there's a point where like a guy drops an axe in the river. And it is it Ezekiel or or Elijah or Elijah, one of those two, makes it float. Like he's like, I lost my axe, and Elijah comes over and like throws a stick in the 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 water, and it rises up. And you know, I I just things just seem odd to me in terms of what are you? You forgot the she bears, Dave. The she bears is weird. Oh, the she bears. I mean, just just even. Moses putting a, a golden snake and holding it up. And if you look at the golden snake, then you're healed. And so there's, there's just all these things in the Old Testament that seem really, really weird to me. And how do you process that? And should we get hung up on those kinds of things? What, I mean. Um, short answer. I don't get hung up on them. Mm-hmm. And in all honesty, I haven't done enough research about those incidences to really speak about it. But a question I have in response is, how hung up do you get about Jesus's miracles? Because those could be considered just as odd. Uh, Yeah. I I mean, I still like things like they've got to pay their taxes. And so he goes, go and catch a fish. And when you catch the fish, there'll be the coin that. We'll cover your taxes and my taxes and we'll be good. I mean, there that is more my thing that I'm like, like I'm all for miracles. I'm all for, not that God needs my vote on those things, but, um, you know, I'm good with miracles. It's just some of the stuff just seems odd. Like we lost the ax, so we're going to make it float. That is the answer. I'm good with parting of the Red Sea. But this, the golden snake, and is it gold? I don't know why I'm making it gold. I'm pretty sure it's gold. I'm pretty sure it's gold because I think they're like still worshiping it like like years later. They still got it kind of hanging around as, an, as a god that they've made. And <laughs> um, or, or a donkey talking. I, I mean, I'm just like, like, what? Why is that? You know, and, yeah. and, 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 and not even that, but the context of, of why, doesn't the donkey talk to keep him from like going off a cliff or something like that? Isn't there an angel blocking the road or something like that? Yeah. Why can't the guy just see the angel versus the donkey have to tell him? It's not so much that the donkey talks. It's the, why couldn't he just see the angel versus the donkey talking to him? Yeah. Cause there are plenty of instances in the Bible where the angels do appear. To the people, and the people go, no! And the angel goes, do not Do not fear. be afraid. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I've just concluded that God has a sense of humor, and that sometimes he gets bored <laughs> and likes to throw those things out there just to keep it interesting. That's, that's right. That's, that's where it. I've landed. I don't think I've landed on... Any I don't sort think of I explanation either. for those kind of events, or or just that he is an infinite God, and I am a finite being. That well, finite in that I had a beginning. Um, anyway, so so people shouldn't get hung up on those when they're reading the Old Testament. No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think it's worth it. So would you say that if somebody's pointing those things out as their reason to believe or not believe, it's maybe smoke and mirrors and they're trying to really kind of focus on things that really aren't of importance versus really getting down to the whole, what we were talking about earlier of our depravity and our need for a savior? And I don't want to say they're not important, Hmm. but they're not... How do I say this? In the scheme of God's redemption and his character, I don't think those are of the utmost importance in the general lessons and principles the Old Testament gives us. However, 
for someone like me who's studying this and is going to make a career out of it, I need to think of those things as important. And -hmm. I need to study them and be able to have a response to a question you just asked. And now that I don't have one, I kind of want to go find one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and just even things like when they talk about food that we can eat and we can't eat. With the exception of pigs, almost everything is still kind of in those, like, yes, you would eat this, and no, you wouldn't eat that. You know, we don't go eating owls. You know, we're not eating badgers. We're not, you know, there's just, it's like, it's like still to this day, the whole, like, kosher thing is still, you know, valid for most of us, with the exception of pigs. And maybe some seafood in there. You know, octopus and eels. Those are tasty. They are tasty, but they don't, they don't have scales. We're not supposed to eat them. Oh, wait huh. a minute. The sheet came down. And so that, like, that he said be free all, and eat. All shellfish, lobster, and crab, and shrimp, and mussels, and clams. But the veil was torn. I know. Those are so tasty. <laughs> She's saying you can eat them. We're not, the I'm not saying torn. you can't eat them. The veil was torn. Jesus fulfilled the old covenant. You can saying, eat your, like, why you can was eat your he, oysters. Why was he hogging all the seafood from the Jews? Because it wasn't clean. They're magically clean now. Jesus. <laughs> Savior of the shellfish. Uh, I don't know the answer, but I'm going to say I will Jesus. baptize you in butter. Mm, delicious. <laughs> See, now that totally reminded me of, is it coming to America? The two older black guys that are at the church service. And- oh, gosh. I don't think I've... Is that the Eddie Murphy? Is wrong. I don't want to be right. (laughs) (laughs) They're looking. Well, I won't go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Um, back to what we were talking just a second ago. I would encourage people to look at those weird things. Like I wouldn't. Like if someone is saying I don't believe that the Bible is true because this donkey donkey talked, and I'd be like, okay, there might be something else going on. Yeah, exactly. But at the same point, I want to be like, like if that's You're weird up. to you or like that doesn't make sense, like do some do some research. But I don't think that you want to throw Jesus out the window and the you know the the history and the um, the breadth of his teaching and life just because a donkey talked. Like I feel like that outweighs the donkey talking. But I also think that. You know, if the splitting of the Red Sea or the she-bears or, you know, the fleece being wet one day and being dry the next or, you know, whatever the case may be, frogs falling from the sky. Yeah. Like, that would be terrifying. I know. Ew, right? Every one of those plagues is, like, terrifying. Well, yeah. Plague. They don't... <laughs> that's not a term we throw around lightly, I don't think. Um, but, I mean, if those sort of things interest you, then... What better way to get you into the Old Testament than to go, you know, read the weird things and read what's going on around them. And if you do that, then maybe you start to gain context of what's actually going on and, you know. And what I want to know is when I get to heaven, am I going to care about these things? Not so much of like, was it a waste of my time to think of them? But or am I going to get to heaven and just go, okay, there's a million more questions I didn't know I had that I now have that are going to jump to the front of the line because, holy cow, this is not what I expected. You know? I don't know. Because, like, I have a bunch of questions that I want to ask, but I don't know if when I get there I'm going to want to ask them. Or no, I'm gonna you're not going like to want to ask because everything's going to be like, ah, uh, okay. Yeah. I get it now. Everything's made out of cotton candy and we won't get cavities. <laughs> Just Ew. kidding. Joke. I don't. Sorry, I don't like cotton candy. Yeah, it's made out of nachos. Mm. <laughs> <sighs> That's in like I don't know. Second hesitations, right, Dave? Yes. And the streets shall flow with nacho cheese. <laughs> I'm on a food kick for some reason. Clearly. I'm not even hungry. Yeah, we had dinner before we got and here. It was so good. <laughs> I made a pork roast with potatoes. Mm. It was really good. That pig. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> uh, any closing thoughts, friends? I no, I don't. The Old Testament's really important. All right. Well, I want to say thanks to our Patreon supporters. I haven't said thanks to them in a while. 
mainly because one of them is sitting at this table. <laughs> well, it's kind of two of them, actually, <laughs> in, in, in representation. Um, but uh, if you don't know, we have um, a Patreon page at Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Super Megacorp. And you can, you can join the corporation. You can. Uh, it's monthly support for this show and Dad College and Mendoza Line and uh, any other future shows. Uh, our college football blog is going to start up here next month. The season's back on. I'm really excited. Mm. No one thinks Michigan's going to do that well, and it makes me very angry. Um, but it's not very important. Anyways, so you can go to patreon.com slash your megacorp. We have monthly um, support ranging from $1 a month all the way up to 50 with lots of, you know, I think $1, $5, $10, and $20 options for the lower end. And that money really does help us uh, pay our hosting fees, pay um, our domain fees. And, uh, you know, if we ever want to um, do anything special, it helps us, you know, do that if we want to make a video or replace a microphone. Um, so anyways, if you're interested, check it out. We'll have a link in the show notes. And if you are a supporter, we'll be Katie and Rachel. We love you guys very much. And if you want show notes, Dave, we haven't had show notes in a while. Can you remember where the show notes are? <laughs> no. Rachel, you know where the show notes are. Um, They're on my iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> They're on your website, correct? Or is that not true anymore? No. Supermegacorp.net mm-hmm. slash episode Masterclass. Oh. Slash 104. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Dave um, wins. Or if you're listening on a podcast app, they're probably I right just there. swipe up on my podcast that's, app. That's what I do too. <laughs> All right. And we'll have our Twitter links and email links in the show as well. Get in touch. It'd be great to hear from you. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us this episode. Yes, it was very you. fun to have you back. Thanks for asking me to come. This was good. Yeah, timing was great. That we'll did work to... out really well. Mm, gee, we'll I, do it again. I wonder how that happened. <laughs> Before two years from now. Yeah, yeah, no joke. All right, well, until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.